Welcome to Wake Forest University Department of Counseling Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Nations, and with me is my esteemed colleague, Dr. Shannon Warden. Um, Bob, it's always a pleasure to do these podcasts. It is. And it's fun to get to spend time. You know, we're such a busy faculty, so it's nice just to have this time carved out to talk to each other. That sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? No, no. We really do. We talk in passing, but it really is nice to sit here and talk for a little while with our colleagues. Sure, because we do appreciate and enjoy. Oh, my gosh. We sure do. We've got everybody here. Dr. Mark Scholl with us for this episode. Mark, we love having you. You've done some episodes with us previously, and those were great. And we're excited in this episode to hear about your new book. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give us the title. Okay. It's uh, Postmodern Perspectives on Contemporary Counseling Issues. And that's brand new. I mean, that's what been out a year a f- or less. Just a few months. Just yeah. a few months. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. I think probably I've kind of followed your progress along with be checking in. So yeah. I know uh, <laughs> I always appreciate those updates. How's it going and whatnot. But so yeah. just a few months now out and available for purchase. Right. Um, tell us, you know, you know, we've got to know wh- why this book. How did how did it come about? It's it's an interesting story um, that goes goes back quite a ways. Um, my interest in postmodernism, which y- you probably are familiar with, uh, with some of the fundamental uh, tenets of postmodernism. Uh, for example, the idea that knowledge is is uh, personal rather than being objective. It emphasizes that knowledge is personal, and that uh, you you can't know something without also bringing to that knowledge your personal opinions and, and values and beliefs and uh, your background. So, uh, and also the idea that um, rather than having a singular self, we actually have multiple selves. And uh, those selves are continually evolving and changing. And this, this can kind of be uh, traced back to Freud in a way because Freud talked about the id, the ego, and the superego. So we kind of have a debt mm-hmm. to Freud in terms okay. of his bringing that to our attention, that we're not one integrated, unified person. We actually have these aspects that uh, are contextualized. That's a great postmodern primer right there. It I is. Like, it is. I mean, I, I just went back to <coughs> school. It well. This was yeah. awesome, you know. And uh, I've got to tell you, I'm personally interested in this just because I've, I've told you all I'm working on my teaching philosophy right now, writing that up again and fresh. And um, you know, I love that, Bob. There, I mean, Bob, Bob and Mark. That you know, there are uh, students listening now. There are clinicians, counselor educators listening, perhaps. And um, you know, it's, it's such a nice reminder, I think, because we feel that, I feel that, uh, certainly, that this is a, that learning is a shared, it's a collaborative, right, mm-hmm. and um, we're certainly looking at students that way, Bob, you mm-hmm. know, of, yes. um, what do you bring to the table, applicant, and now student, are you, you know, what do you bring, how do you uh, influence this learning endeavor positively, and it's just, it's open, I love the openness of what you just said, Mark, you know, that it's mm-hmm. a really open uh, philosophy when you think about learning and people and right. multiple selves and who we are together. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Bob, I'm ready. I, yes. I gotta, get this, <laughs> I gotta get this book already. So that's your kind of, you're interested in this, Mark. This is how yeah. you approach learning. And so that's kind of your backstory. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, y'all, this is how I got here. So 
um, and which obviously influences your teaching and your counseling. Right. right? You can't yeah. separate the two, really. I have a story. Um, it's something that I used to do. Um, I don't do it as much now, but uh, before I was tenured, um, I would uh, work on my, my Vita or my resume, and I would uh, update it by adding things to it. And then I would say, well, what if I did this in the next year or the next two years? So I'd add these additional accomplishments to my Vita in, in green text. And so it'd be, you know, like this is 2018. That would be uh, 2020. This is my 2020 Vita. And I'd say, so this is what I hope it looks like. And I thought, this is kind of like a solution-focused approach to resume writing. <laughs> it's not a, it's not anything you would actually turn in sure. to sure. anybody. Yes. It's real. But it's aspirational, right? Yeah, it's like an aspirational or, or a constructivist resume. Yeah. And so I thought, this is a technique. I could actually do this with career clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great, though? And, and I mean, y'all listen back. Mark's got a couple of other uh, episodes just where he's talking around some uh, career counseling and some programming he is has been so amazing to, to work up and implement in the community but um, but that's great so you're saying um, you know how do I in my mind how do I um, kind of build hope you know how do mm -hmm. I how do mm -hmm. I look forward where, whereas our I think our instinct is to look back you know what have I done and you know and, and now let me just kind of stay the course I need to just you know, keep up what I've accomplished or what I'm doing so far, but you're really looking ahead and saying, mm -hmm. what else is there? It's very yeah. innovative. Oh, thank you. So, I mean, that is actually what I observed. I thought Freud looked at the past. Mm -hmm. Rogers looked at the here and now, the present, and the postmodernists and the solution-focused therapists look toward the future mm -hmm. and say, let's build, let's build a future, you yeah. know. Nice. That sounds like a great like tagline. Who's using that already? Somebody, if they're not, Mark Scholl, let's build a future. Let's build a great future. future. That's right. That's, That's right. terrific. Wow. So, so are you telling us, was this book on your 2016, or is this kind of part of the premise of the book and part of the, you know, your current thinking about things? But it, were you that, in, you know, that... Um, forward thinking, I need a book. I'm going to write this book. Yeah, before it's written, what did it get on your yeah. Vita? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that clear. Huh? <laughs> clearly defined. Well, you, you want to, like my philosophy is to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. Okay. Yeah. So if I didn't do the book, I would be in trouble, right? <laughs> so possible, like actual achievable, which would go back to solution focus, what is achievable? And so if not a book, although I think, you know, some of us probably would put books up there. That's a great, you know, aspirational goal. Um, but certainly achievable, you would be telling your clients if in career counseling. Um, so you're looking ahead two years. How do you want to build this future? Uh, what's achievable? Right, exactly. And it, it goes hand in hand with the, with the idea that, uh, you know, people are, well, they have the capacity to construct um, viable solutions for themselves, and that includes uh, that includes uh, a life that they would like to lead at some point in the future. And uh, to a certain extent, the therapist is a part of that, and it's truly a co-construction of that future because you you can't you can't 
uh, discount the encouragement and the suggestions and just the just the excitement of the of the therapist for hearing these hopeful ideas is uh, contagious and so it's part of the process of building that that future mm. can I sign up for career counseling right now <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really inspired I'm listening to this and I'm thinking yeah that's hopeful yeah it's the very opposite unfortunately for what a lot of people's lived experience is is you know, you can't do that, or I can't. You know, it's I've personalized or, or owned that message for myself. I can't do that. It won't happen. Um, what you're saying is very opposite to that. It can happen. What do you want it to be? Yeah. Let's start looking forward. Yeah, and I think I owe a lot to the clients I work with. I mentioned in another podcast who are ex-offenders. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and they had impoverished uh, backgrounds. So I, I saw them as perfect for this approach mm-hmm. because don't let your impoverished background uh, limit your, uh, your ambitions, your aspirations, your hopes, and your dreams. Mm. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so now bring, pull me into this book. So is this what this book is talking about? Because it kind of encompasses this vision that you have. Yeah. So this book is really interesting because I originally thought of it as as a different type of book in terms of organization. And I thought about it as being like, we'll start with childhood and we'll use these approaches with children. And then we'll move into adolescent and then adulthood. And then somebody said, oh, um, I think it'd be better if you did solution focused and then you did narrative and then you did maybe collaborative and then other therapies, you know, so you, you organized it according to the type of postmodern therapy that's being discussed rather than the age of the clients. So I thought that I like that. I like that better than what I, so we mm-hmm. co-construct, me and the reviewers co-constructed the book, so to speak. Oh, that's fantastic. And what the book is, is it multiple authors? Is this an edited um, mm-hmm. It's an edited book, mm-hmm. and who do you have a co-editor, Mark? Uh, sure James James T. Hansen from Oakland University. Great, yeah. make sure mm-hmm. getting his name out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bob, what yeah. you got? I just think you 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 could use this as a textbook in your vocational counseling. Would it be um, perhaps? Well, is that what you're thinking, or what, thinking, what other courses would it kind of be a good fit for? I think this would be a really good uh, book for uh, counseling theories. Yes, uh, because you know most uh, traditional counseling theories textbooks just touch on these mm-hmm. these therapies a little bit. Right, and I think in terms of any type of work with interns or practicum students who really want to get like a detailed description and account of what does it look like when you use solution-focused therapy with, with a young person or with a, with a person who's uh, middle-aged. What, is it, what does it look like? What's the process mm-hmm. look like when the person is uh, a survivor of sexual abuse or the person is grieving? You know, that's okay. another topic in the book or somebody has an addiction or somebody has an eating disorder so these are all topics and counseling concerns that are covered in the book hmm. give yes. us a couple of chapters i want to know some chapter names because i think the readers potential readers mm-hmm. need to know this okay Good. it feels as if what you're saying is is these are not your um, um 
mainstream or what typically we've been taught in counseling programs. They're not necessarily the mainstream therapies, but they're really a little bit broader than that, and you're now applying postmodern thought to those. So okay. Give me some titles. So we've got uh, Solution-Focused Approaches to the Treatment of Substance Addiction by Todd Lewis. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we've got uh, Sacred Privilege, Using Narrative Reconstruction uh, as an Approach with uh, Grieving Children and Adolescents. Okay. And I love that story because uh, Laura Wheat and Peggy Whiting talk about the deceased as still being a part of the person's current and ongoing narrative. Oh, I totally mm. get that. Yeah, and I that's love great. it. Yeah, that's just really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Give, us, give us a couple more. Let's see. We've got uh, the practice of possibilities, uh, using dialectical humanism to help clients with sexual concerns. Who's that one by, Mark? That one is by uh, Matthew Limberger, uh, True Love, who's the current editor of the Journal of Counseling and Development, and Megan Speciali. Mm. And then we've got, uh, let me see, let's see which one I'm going to do. Like, uh, Counselor Education from a Postmodern Perspective, Empowering Students. Mm. I need to read that right now. <laughs> it's exciting it's an exciting one that would be a good fit right now <laughs> well I know and I just um, I don't know some of the key themes what I know of postmodernism and what you're t talking and teaching, teaching us about right now Mark is just the collaborative um, element of that and um, to me it seems um, you know it's, it's not it's not separating theory from the practice and the relevance of now it's really integrating um, maybe in a different way than just the generalist practitioner would be have, would have been taught. It's really specialized, mm -hmm. and let's integrate theory mm -hmm. with postmodernism. Um, but mm -hmm. it's just I think the pull to me or for me to that is just mm -hmm. the um, I don't know just the, the I love even that title the possibilities. To me, this it opens up possibilities when we think from a postmodern standpoint. Yeah, and all the authors. Um, really dwell in the practice of mm. the therapies that they, they talk about and apply. So some of them use narrative therapy, some use solution-focused therapy. Um, Julene Boozer uses um, something called collaborative therapy with uh, eating disorders in her chapter. And they, they really dwell in the uh, philosophical foundations of their approach in addition to um, using some of the techniques that are a part of that approach. So that, I think that's really something that people sometimes misunderstand, is that these approaches are not as effective if you just look at them as a standalone technique. Mm -hmm. It's also about the relationship yeah. between the counselor and the client, which is much more um, egalitarian when you um, take into account the belief that knowledge is personal, you have to have a more egalitarian relationship with your client. Mm -hmm. mm. It's just really integrated, which goes back to the idea of multiple cells, but the integrated, you know, the integration of those multiple cells. So if we can really broach counseling, broach relationships through that understanding, these are multiple cells, but now integrated in this work, and how much more powerful the work is when we think like that. Right, exactly. And, um, give you one example from collaborative therapy. It's the idea that when you uh, honor 
the individual's own vocabulary and their own terms for what they're experiencing and, and adopt that rather than a clinical term. So if they say they're feeling blue, you continue to refer to what they're feeling as feeling blue. And then the problem is rendered less uh, intractable and more subject and amenable to change mm -hmm. because you're using, you're using their language with them and then they feel like they have more control over everything because you're meeting them where they are and honoring their words, yeah. mm -hmm. their yeah. voices. Yeah, that's so important in the clinical aspect. I just think about how we teach students, whether it's in practicum and I'm doing family counseling now, about the uniqueness of the clients that we see and that relationship and how do we relate. Do we relate as a authority kind of position or is it egalitarian? And that's what you're advocating for is to realize, to connect with folks in that way. And we find out time and time again that that relationship is so valuable in the, the efficacy of what we do in the counseling relationship. How does this affect your teaching? I can see it, what you're talking about right now. Do you, do you think about the way that you teach our students? Yeah, I do. And, and I think the, the way it affects me is that I think about it in terms of the fact that my relationship with the students should mirror and model the way I expect students to work with clients. Nice. Because if I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm posing as the mm -hmm. hierarchical expert, mm -hmm. how can I expect them to go out into the community and treat their clients as equals? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm just totally thinking, I'm thinking um, uh, we want to make knowledge, we, we don't want to make knowledge a barrier, we want to make it a bridge. Hmm. So, right, so if, mm -hmm. if I'm mm -hmm. the holder of the knowledge, but I can't access your world, through your language or through my understanding of you or through my um, uh, recognition of power differential and wanting to kind of really lower my power as much as I can, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. If I'm not thinking like that, then all that knowledge that I might have or that encouragement that I want to give, it's really on the other side of that barrier. Mm -hmm. Last thing I wanted was it to be a barrier. But if not thinking this way really intentionally, it's that barrier. So you're saying, hey, no. Uh, in, in my thinking, it's it's make it a bridge, and right, kind of the visual mm -hmm. there. This feels yeah. very narrative, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a, I love co-construction. I love uh, constructivism. I love uh, metaphor and narrative. It's one of my favorites. Uh, but I'm totally thinking the bridge, though. If we if we can kind of meet these conditions of understanding and learning, what a bridge we open up. Uh, right. That's where the change happens. And and uh, an interesting example of that is the is the technique. Uh, you've probably heard of called uh, acting as if. Mm -hmm. And it's really turned turn me around in terms of my understanding of what acting as if entails. Yeah. It's, the, it's the idea that your, your personhood is, is given. The acting as if means like a, a piece of who you are. There's, a, there's like a growth edge that you would like to add to your existing self. And previous to that, I saw acting as if as something like, uh, like an acting role where you would pretend to be somebody that was very, very different from who you are. But this has kind of made me see it as more organic. And what you do is you say, well, I like exactly who I am, except I would like to also do this more often. Like maybe put myself 
in, uh, in environments where I'm a little uncomfortable and uh, I have to learn about people from other cultures and spend more time there than I'd normally be comfortable spending time and, and open myself up to learning. And I'm still me, you know, I'm still the same person, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm going to go out and uh, be more adventurous maybe. So maybe that's what my acting as if is. Mm -hmm. I'm acting as if I'm Mark, but I'm a more adventurous version of Mark. I'm still me. Yes. It's just, not a total reconstruction. Right. It's just I want to really embrace yeah. who I am and then mm -hmm. have these add-ons, these comfortable. Or, yeah. Well, these, can it be uncomfortable, comfortable? <laughs> I think it can be uncomfortable. <laughs> and, Incrementally uncomfortable. And the other important piece of that is it's, it's, it's okay to uh, feel incongruent if it's kind of like a, a deliberate attempt to, to grow, you know, it's not like you're being fake or you're being phony. I'm still Mark, but I'm, you know, I'm honoring my growth edge and I'm, and I'm working towards this becoming part of my congruent self at mm -hmm. some point in the future. I just, I love this whole line of thought, this whole philosophy, this understanding of people, because it does seem so hopeful mm -hmm. to me. It feels mm -hmm. like what we can do yeah, versus the past focus of what I haven't been able to do or well, that's important. It definitely shapes who we are today. It doesn't. It's not the end of the story. Yeah, yeah, and it goes along with something that I also like a lot is this concept of uh, a preferred future selves. Mm. You know, someone you envision yourself being in the future, like that, uh, like that version of of my resume that I would create that would be hopefully be a reality in three to five years. We have other preferred future selves. I, I would like to be better uh, traveled and, and maybe go to Ireland next year and, and do a presentation at a conference. So kind of thinking about that aspect of, of my preferred future self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bob, it feels like to me, you know, it's, we've long heard and talked about having our own mission and vision statements. Mm -hmm. um, yes. that, you hear that from various disciplines, but this, um, this feels like actualizing a mission and a vision mm -hmm. in very doable ways. This mm -hmm. is achievable. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's time limited. Of course, I'm thinking about smart goals right now, and from mm -hmm. a solution focused standpoint, what's what's reasonable. But yeah. it's it's forward thinking. Uh, it's got some timeline to it. It's not a whole re you know makeover. It's the same Mark or mm -hmm. Shannon or Bob, mm -hmm. but really looking ahead in some very specific ways. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on board, Mark. Mm -hmm. Bob. <laughs> How are you promoting? So yeah. <laughs> I know, how are you promoting this book, Mark? Where where can people get it and all this kind of thing? Well, um, you can you can get it through Oxford University Press, mm -hmm. and basically Oxford is is very helpful in terms of I pr provide them with the names of people who are influential in our field, book editors, um, people who are presidents of divisions, and uh, I have a, a publicist that I work with. And she provides all of those individuals with free copies and uh, a synopsis of how to promote the book within uh, within their role. Okay, so they can uh, folks if they're interested, they can find more information by maybe going to Oxford's mm -hmm. uh, website mm -hmm. or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now tell me, uh, this is a thing that I never know in the academic world. 
you know, how well, this would be a current and future self for you, Mark Shaw. How well, <laughs> how, what kind of opportunities do you have to yourself? So you're doing this with your publicist, but I want to know people are calling you about this book. You know, I want to know that they're saying, Mark, I hear you got a new book. And tell me about it. Are you, are you getting any interest? You know, it's interesting because this is my second book, and the way I usually hear those stories is kind of in unexpected ways. Like, uh, I remember that I was going out to dinner with a group of about eight people, and we were crossing the street, and there was all this traffic, and a young woman just kind of leaned in and said, and this was for another book. This one's kind of hasn't been out there very long. But she said, I actually used your book to get third-party reimbursement in my state. Hey. And I was like, that's amazing, you know, because yeah. they said it's not, it's not evidence-based. And she said, and I showed them an excerpt from your book, and they said, okay, this is good. It is evidence-based, and I got reimbursed for my work nice. using this humanistic <laughs> technique. Yeah. That's so great. I think that's yeah. how I, that's how it happens. It's uh, you know it's not as direct and clear cut you know mm-hmm. as getting like a direct email or something like that. Thank you for your book or what have you. Yeah, right. But it's wonderful when it yeah. happens. The happenstance <laughs> in that yeah. intersection there. Mm-hmm. Somebody saying, "Hey, <laughs> your book." Yeah, and we were part yeah. of just a group of people at a conference that went to a Mexican restaurant together. That's yeah. great. <laughs> well, I love it. This, this is building the future. You know, hey, let's build your future. Let's build a great future. And, uh, I mean, even there, you know, you're helping her, I guess, and it sounds like in her practice, yeah. change her future for the better. Yeah. That she's able to get third-party reimbursement maybe differently now because of the knowledge that you're helping to generate. Yeah, and that's what we're doing with, the, with this book, too, is that each chapter includes a summary of the evidence for that uh, technique, hopefully with that population mm-hmm. or similar populations. Yeah, because mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of where it's at, right? Mm-hmm. It's best practices or mm-hmm. most effective practices, that type of thing. Right. So you're already going ahead and putting that in the book as well. It's right. not only kind of conceptual, mm-hmm. there's an actual practical element to it of here's how we as you mm-hmm. know those particular authors are Right. implementing this and right. maybe some best practices literature is tucked in there as well exactly sounds like a good good use of our of our of our book buying dollars <laughs> <laughs> or if you're or if you're a listener and you're in a, a teaching role or uh-huh. another role that you know you have some choice and and the resources to be able to select this book it sounds like it's good for classes and uh and just even for the clinician too out there wanting to kind of grow their practice and understand uh, I, I think again postmodern but it's if, for me it's understanding people today and opportunity and um, advocacy I mean there's a lot of mm-hmm. it, even a lot of good I think advocacy potential in this book well there's something you know interesting about you know you said people today and one of the things I think about is Millennials yeah. and when I see Millennials they really have this um, they really have this perspective where they want things to happen fast. They really want to, you know, for example, in their careers, they want to do meaningful work right away. They don't like the traditional career ladder where you put in your dues and you do something very menial and then you work your way up to doing things more meaningful. One of the, one of the great things about postmodern approaches is the philosophy of the uh, theoreticians who developed these approaches is 
change doesn't have to take a lot of time. You know, uh, problems are transient. You know, a lot of times when we have a problem, we can think back to a time we didn't have the problem. So why can't we also think because problems are transient, change can happen rapidly. You don't have to believe that you have to be in long-term therapy where you dredge up your your past history before you can, mm-hmm. you know, have an insight and then experience change. Mm-hmm. So just by doing something a little differently in your day, you could bring about a small change and then you could say, "Oh, that's how that happened. If I do more of that, then I'll have an even bigger change." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's been a, that's been an area of interest of yours about how how change occurs. Yeah, exactly. In, in counseling and therapy, I think you taught a first year seminar on that. Oh, I change te- theory. I teach a course called Quantum Change. Yeah, yeah. Quantum yeah. Change is exciting because it's about that very thing. It's about people who, either in fiction or in real life, uh, experienced a dramatic change in their personality in a short period of time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I knew that that's an interest of yours, yeah. and you've been spending some time thinking about that. I saw our undergraduate. What, Bob? Wouldn't you sign oh, up for that in a second? You know? <laughs> and, and you know, we want we don't want to discount millennials and the is it Z, the Z generation? Or I'm not sure who's. I think, I think that is the next well, one of the Z. That's right, the next right, one, I believe. <laughs> so you know, we don't want to discount uh, where they're at in in their place in life, and mm-hmm. um, they have all these great ideas, and they mm-hmm. too are interested in change and how does right. change happen? And this idea that it's not um, unrealistic to think that change can happen quickly. It just maybe depends on what our encouragement around that topic and that possibility is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this book is about, is there's possibilities for fast change. And then you're just bringing some of that same concept into your quantum change class. Yeah. So with each one, they s- we can see how change happens. Right. That theory exactly. And talking mm-hmm. Exactly. That's nice. yeah. that good. That's good. Mark, you are a gem. You're a mark, but you're a gem to Wake Forest University. <laughs> you are, you are Thank a gem, you. Mark. I, I hope. I know. I, I, in my interactions with you, I'm always so encouraged, and um, I hope that the Wake Forest University uh, family is aware of your book and um, talking about it. And I hope for you know good time to come that they're going to be interested in your book. And uh, Bob, you know, I hope listeners, mm-hmm. wherever they're at, student, either prospective, current, or alumni, clinician. Counselor Educator, I hope they're aware of the book. uh, Mark, give us the title one more time. Okay, it's called uh, Postmodern Perspectives on Contemporary Counseling Issues, and the subtitle is Approaches Across Diverse Settings. Mm. Bob, can we get it for Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Birthday? (laughs) That's fantastic. Maybe even Halloween. Whatever the occasion. Halloween gifts, yes. Whatever the next one is, I just want to... I think it just has quickly. been National Pumpkin Day. Yeah, I get it quickly. We're, That's we're, the next we're holiday. recording ah. this in pumpkin season, so whenever That's you happen right. to be listening, whatever oh, the national right. holiday is, go buy Mark Scholl's book. Well, you know, that would go along with, uh, you know, multiple selves. Hey, there we go. That's true. You go out in a costume, and maybe that reflects another <laughs> aspect of yourself sure. that uh, you don't ordinarily show people, mm-hmm. but sure. it's there, but it's yeah. there. That's yes. cool. Mark, what if we not asked you about your book? Is there anything else you just want folks to know about? Hmm. I'm trying to think. I think one of the things that I would probably include is like strengths and slash limitations. Some of the limitations are kind of only limitations 
if you allow them to be limitations. For example, um, some people see postmodern approaches as lacking in depth, but it only they only lack in depth if you allow them to lack in depth. Like if you want to get into, you know, deeper meaning and explore in more depth some of these themes with your clients, mm -hmm. I think that can be a very powerful thing and contribute to uh, change lasting mm -hmm. and uh, change being more authentic, you yeah. know. So I, th I think it... I think some of these are kind of like, it's a caveat, you know, like some people perceive uh, postmodernism as being more about imagination and not action. And I think a really important thing related to that is if you're using a postmodern approach, it's more flexible because viewing, uh, viewing truth as personal means you can add on modernistic approaches, like you can add a behavioral element, because you're not violating, you're not violating the fundamental belief that uh, truth is personal by adding some behavioral elements. Mm -hmm. The behaviorist might object to the solution focused being added on, but the postmodernist is like, oh yeah, that'll be fine if that's helpful. Yeah, <laughs> possibilities. Yeah, possibilities. Yeah. So. Don't limit. So yeah. if the behavioral or the cognitive behavioral, if you want to use scaling, these are great mm -hmm. in combination with a postmodern approach. Yeah. It's just so that okay. philosophical underpinning of how do we mm -hmm. see people, how do we yeah. see the exchange of knowledge and yeah. um, understand truth and yeah. personalization of truth. So it's that those kind of philosophical underpinnings now applied real specifically to these various um, theoretic, uh, theoretical approaches. It's yeah. Kind of each chapter is kind of packed with something in that that vein. Exactly. So if you're if you're receptive to uh, para, you know paradigm shifts and reframes and being being educated by your clients about perspectives you never really considered, um, then this this could be the approach for you. Hmm. Wow. That was good. That it sounded was good. just like a soundbite. <laughs> it did. You know, maybe we can, Rob Kazar is our producer, maybe he can figure out how to lead with that soundbite. That was good right there. Well, Mark, listen, we are always, it's a joy to have you, seriously. Uh, you're really a joy and a gem. <laughs> it's so nice to hear how you influence yeah, folks you know, in your writing and your teaching and so it's just, it's just a delight to have you here. It's so non-pretentious. I mean, just well, such no, a genuine yeah. person and, and uh, love for people and making change. And uh, I hope if prospective students are listening, Bob, they're interested in our clinical mental health counseling mm -hmm. or our school counseling master's degrees. Yes. And of course, we offer those on uh, in our online platform and we offer them on our bricks and mortar campus, our traditional campus. If students are interested in those, they should go to our Department of Counseling website, read more about our programs. And while you're there, go to the faculty bio page and read more about Dr. Mark Scholl and just kind of look at his uh, beta for the last little bit and see where his heart is at. And they will see this is a person who's really committed to helping people, to helping people through career, uh, really open and, and thinking about possibilities. And uh, student, prospective student, I think you'll be really encouraged by Dr. Scholl. So take, take a look at our programs, uh, give a look at Dr. Scholl's um, background, his materials. You've heard his heart here today. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty exciting, Bob. We're lucky to work with him. We really are. And, All the, right. and the feeling's mutual. I really Thanks, I really appreciate being to talk with both of you uh, today and uh, making me feel so comfortable. It's been wonderful. Good. Yeah, a pleasure for sure. Well, Bob, Absolutely. I 
hate to say it, but we you got know to. What we did? Yep, we, we did it. We did it again.